Welcome back to the Avigal Podcast with your host, Kara Dennison. Before we get started, I do want to say that there is going to be a trigger warning for this podcast. We will be discussing themes such as domestic violence, toxic relationships, uh, violence against women as well. So if that is triggering for you, feel free to skip this week's podcast episode. All right, we have a special guest today. Her name is Nina Corcoran. She is a fantastic woman uh, who has lived a lot of life and has uh, a great story to share with us. You can find her at ninacorcoran.com. She's written the book, He Loves Me Not, and also is the podcast host for He Loves Me Not podcast and has a a very interesting story to share with us. Uh, Nina, say hello. Hi, everyone. I can't wait to share with you all. Yes. Awesome. So your mission really is to help end the violence against women, specifically in terms of domestic violence, right? Absolutely. I think the more we talk about this, the closer we get to to ending it. And unfortunately, it's one of those things that people just don't want to talk about there. We've conditioned ourselves to be afraid of the topic. Yeah, I think that sometimes women have a level of guilt or shame or embarrassment around it. And unfortunately, that that drives us to want to hide. But people like you who want to talk about it help illuminate the fact that there really is an issue and help provide support and, and resources in order to help women escape from those situations. And I'd really love to hear your story because you have a fascinating story and how you found yourself in this situation. So will you give us a little bit of a recap of, you know, a little bit about your career and how you found yourself in this situation? Because I do think it's very fascinating. Absolutely. Um, So I actually met the man that I would later marry when we were just 11 years old. Mm. Um, It was one of those situations where it was a family friend. Our parents were friends. It was always that you guys are going to be the classic love story and end up together and the whole nine yards. And so we were really friends first. Um, we had that platonic relationship through most of high school. And then it became a romantic relationship, which eventually became a marriage. And unfortunately, it was actually toxic right from the beginning, the friendship all the way through the romantic relationship, but no one had ever taught me what a toxic relationship is. So I never knew all of the signs to look for when picking friends and eventually picking boyfriends Mm. and eventually picking a husband. So um, it wasn't until I became a police officer after college that I learned a lot of these definitions And even after knowing them and being trained to recognize them, it had become so normal in my relationship after after 10 plus years at that point, I didn't recognize them in my own relationship for another three years. So I spent 15 years and got married to this man before I even recognized what those toxic and abusive traits were within him. And I had to be a police officer for three years before I was able to recognize it. And it wasn't until I responded to a call that I really saw myself in that I came to that realization. Wow. Nina, why do you think that is? Do you think that there is a lack of education or do you think that sometimes those toxic traits are from abusers 
they tow a very thin line between what we taught was love versus toxicity. What, what is it? I think it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. So we don't talk about it early enough. I mean, toxic relationships, like I said, they can be platonic. They can happen within families. I mean, they don't have to be romantic, but we don't teach children what to look for when they're making friends or anything else for what those toxic traits are. So there's a lack of education. And then we have kind of normalized a lot of the more emotional toxic traits. Like, you know, who hasn't heard if a boy picks on you or if a boy hits you, it's because he likes you, you know, and we've got those reinforced images in our mind that that's okay. And those traits, those picking on and all of that, that's all toxic. You know, a relationship should make you feel good. You should feel supported. You shouldn't feel betrayed and belittled and, and humiliated from, a re- from any relationship, platonic or not. So those are the things that we've really normalized as a society. And so I think the combination is just, it puts us all in a bad place. Yeah, especially as women. And I guess as men too, I mean, we, we feel like some of those, you brought up the the playground, right? And kids, oh, he's picking on me. It must. And sometimes parents encourage that. I remember hearing that as a kid and it absolutely, it didn't feel right. And now we have these relationships that you see on social media where it's just drama all the time. And that's just the emotional side. I mean, not even the, the more violent side of it too. I really want to dig into some of um, the forms of abuse and how to identify the toxic relationship. But I really want to hear um, three years as a police officer, what was that wake up call? You were learning a little bit about what domestic abuse was, the violence was. Were you noticing some of it in your own relationship or was it really just one of those big wake up call moments? It was a total wake up call. I had known that I was making excuses within my relationship, but I blamed it on alcohol. When my, at that point, husband had gotten out of the military, he had kind of gone heavily into drinking. And so I blamed so much on the alcohol that I was, I knew I was making excuses, but that's what I believed I was making excuses for. So I was sort of blinded by that. And so I had gone on this, on this call, I would have considered myself an expert on domestic violence because as the only female police officer in my department, I ended up on a lot of these calls. You know, I could relate to the female victims. I had the empathy and I was able to talk with them just because of my gender. And so here I am on this call and I was getting so frustrated with this woman because I could see the toxic traits in her significant other. And I knew she was in a dangerous situation and I wanted to help her so badly. And she was just making all the classic excuses. She didn't want to see it. She wasn't ready to see it. And there does come a point as a police officer where your hands are tied and there's nothing else you can do. And I reached that point and I had to leave. Mm -hmm. And I was so frustrated and angry. And I remember getting in my cruiser and driving a little ways down the road and pulling over to make my notes in the computer. And as I was making these notes, I realized that everything I was writing about her, you could have substituted my own name in and it would have been true. And I just had this crashing realization that the reason I was so angry with her is because I was her and I wanted to fix it. 
and I couldn't. And that was my, that was my wake up moment where I don't know where it came from, but that was suddenly I was seeing things clearly and couldn't believe that I was even able to miss them. Wow. The one thing that I kept hearing over and over again is the excuses thing. Is that a big warning sign for women who might be in a situation like this? Is if constantly excusing behavior? Absolutely. And it's the range of excuses that you realize you're making is unbelievable. So you'll excuse your beha- the behavior for random reasons, you know, alcohol, or he's, you know, had a bad day, or he had a long day at work, or there's always those excuses. But then you start making excuses on your end as well. You know, you start saying, well, this was my fault, and I did this, and that made this happen. And you really start to take on a lot of the blame, kind of unintentionally, it just sort of starts to happen. And so you're starting to make those excuses to yourself, too, when you don't even consciously know you're doing it. I can see how a lot of that, um, you know, that guilt and that shame and embarrassment cycle starts coming in because, um, and why it's not talked about so often because of the fact that now you've made all these excuses to try and hide it. And then once it comes out to light, it's, it feels like you maybe were lying or, or whatever, or trying to cover it up or, or whatever it was. But from your experience, it was almost like you didn't even know until you knew. It definitely felt like that, that I didn't know until I knew. And when you look at it from that other side, once you've made that realization, you know, it is embarrassing because you worked so hard to make it seem like you were in a perfect relationship. You know, I had the perfect Instagram feed where all the pictures were all, you know, lovey-dovey and whatnot. And you were constantly making those excuses to friends and family to make him in my situation look better and things like that. Like you worked really hard subconsciously to make him seem like he was perfect. Mm -hmm. And so now to have to admit to yourself and to other people that not only is he not perfect, but he's potentially dangerous Mm -hmm. was very embarrassing and you you do feel like that's somehow your fault Mm -hmm. and it does make it harder to talk about because you do have that fear in the back of your mind that like well people aren't going to believe me Mm. yeah but you are so strong to even recognize once you do recognize to make a plan and to leave which i'm excited to talk about some of the forms of abuse how to identify that so that other women can have that moment that either maybe that inkling inside, if they know, if they know the excuses, what to do and how to end their situation and help other women, or maybe to have that realization moment as well. But let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. Feeling stuck in a job that no longer excites you? Sure, you have to work to pay the bills, but who said you had to be miserable every step of the way? If a global pandemic taught us anything, it's that life is too short to be spending a minimum of 40 hours at a place that makes you feel unhappy at best and unsafe at worst. 
Collectively, we're entering a new chapter where work-life integration is the norm, working in a flexible environment is desired, and where we want to make an impact while we grow and advance in our careers. If you've been feeling like it's time to make a change, Optimized Career Solutions is here to help. Whether you're looking for your next corporate job or you're looking for advice on how to start or grow your business, we've got you covered. At Optimized Career Solutions, we provide you the support and tools you need to succeed on a path that's ideal and fulfilling for you. With all levels of support, we're here to help. We offer resume and LinkedIn optimizations and our six-figure Career Boost Unlimited Coaching Program with unlimited one-on-one and group support will help you and keep you accountable until you land your offer. And now for the side hustlers and entrepreneurs out there, we're also offering business consulting on a one-on-one basis with yours truly. Get actionable strategies customized to your business designed to help you scale, grow, or start. Schedule your free consultation with us to learn more about how making a change in your career is even more exciting when you have a team of experts on your side. Talk directly with myself and my husband, Jack, our accountability and mindset coach now to see how we can support you by going to schedule.optimizecareersolutions.com. Let us give you back control in your career. Your free consultation is just a couple clicks away at schedule.optimizedcareersolutions.com. And hey, if you're a woman, join us on Facebook in our free network called the Optimized Career Women's Network, designed for both professionals and entrepreneurs to gain new skills, network, and support each other. It's just facebook.com slash groups slash Optimized Women's Network on Facebook. All right, welcome back. So again, we're here with Nina Corcoran uh, and her story at the beginning, the top half of the show was just fascinating. And I really want to break down with you, Nina, uh, a little bit about what domestic violence really is. Because a lot of times when I hear the, the term domestic violence, I'm thinking punching walls, slamming doors, hitting bruises, things like that. But I really would love to hear from you what truly is domestic violence and what are some of the forms of abuse? So one of the issues that we have today is that the idea of domestic violence really is very rigid in people's mind. And it does a lot of times involve that gory violence of, you know, black eyes and split lips and things like that. But domestic violence is so much more than that. And the other kind of myth that we have around domestic violence is that you have to be married in order to be in a domestic violence relationship, which is also not true. So this term has really become this very specific image in people's minds. And so I think that's one of the reasons why so many people don't know that they're actually experiencing abuse because they don't think they fit that mold. So anyone that's in a relationship with their significant other can become a victim of domestic violence. So take away the marriage part and now look at domestic violence is so much more than physical abuse. You've got emotional abuse, you've got verbal abuse, there can be sexual abuse, financial abuse. There's even such a thing as spiritual abuse that can go on within a relationship. So that emotional and verbal abuse really is a lot of times where things start, um, that's that controlling via taking control of your mind. So gaslighting is a huge thing that falls under here um, that I dealt with a lot and really does start to drain you mentally. And if you're not familiar with that term, gaslighting is essentially when someone 
manipulates you to believe that you're going crazy by constantly telling you that you don't remember things correctly or that something didn't happen the way that you think it did or anything like that. And so gaslighting, uh, belittling, humiliation, these are all things that really wear down on your self-confidence and your self-esteem and is a, a really damaging aspect of abuse that we don't typically think of as abuse and happens in so many relationships and ha really happened to me for the longest. That was really the, the thing that started when we were 11 years old and really never stopped. The one thing that you mentioned, I've heard of obviously physical abuse. I've heard of mental abuse. I've heard of verbal abuse. I'll be completely honest. I've never heard of financial or spiritual abuse. Financial, now that you say it, it kind of makes sense, right? Like you, I'm assuming, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, that you use money in order to kind of get back at person or control people or control money. Um, can you expand on those? Because that's, that's fast. If I've never heard of that, I'm assuming other people have not either. Absolutely. So financial abuse is... Um, is really that. So this is the one that makes it really hard for some people to leave because mm. either that person is controlling the money in the sense that they make all the money, you don't have a job, so you don't have, mm. have money to spend. They have control of the accounts. Your name isn't on them. You don't have access to that money. Maybe you're getting an allowance of a certain amount that oh, you can spend God, a yeah. week mm -hmm. and you have to prove what you spent that on with receipts, some, you know, being very overbearing with, with money. Um, it might look like they are trying to take care of you by saying, I don't want you to have to work. You know, I, I want wow. you to stay home and just, you know, be my housewife kind of thing, that kind of control. Um, so really just a lot of manipulation with you not having access to money falls under there. And the other thing that falls under there and is kind of common is guilt surrounding money. So whether you're made to feel guilty because you've spent money on something, like even something as simple as groceries, why did you spend so much, you know, or making you feel guilty about certain debts that may or may not actually exist. If you don't have access to see the finances, you might not know that you don't have a, a debt that they're telling you exists so that you feel guilty about spending money. But meanwhile, that debt isn't even there. Or um, maybe oh maybe you do owe money like, you know, your house. You, you have a mortgage on your house, but they're telling you that you can barely afford the house that you're living in. And in reality, you're quite comfortably living and they just don't want you to spend money kind of thing. So all of that can fall under financial abuse and can be very stressful. Yeah. So money is a stressful thing anyway, in any relationship, a lot of times. Ain't that and, the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and so to put all of that yeah. more pressure on it can be very difficult. And it does make it very difficult if you wanted to consider leaving because oh think gosh, about yeah. walking out the door right now with no job, nowhere to go, no money to your name, oh where, gosh. what would you do? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I have heard of that now that I think about it, but it's that, that I have so much anxiety and panic just even thinking about that. I can't even imagine being in that situation. What does a spiritual abuse look like? 
So spiritual abuse, I actually had never even heard of this term until recently when someone shared it with me. And spiritual abuse is using whatever faith you believe in against you. So making, for instance, the the Catholic Bible, you know, everyone's heard that the Bible doesn't approve of divorce and, you know, all Mm. of these things. And so they use your faith and what you believe in as sort of an overbearing law to get you to do certain things. And so if you believe in the, and, and I am not a super religious person, so I'm probably quoting things wrong. So forgive me, but you know, if, if you believe in the Catholic faith and you believe that the, you know, man is supposed to, our woman is supposed to support the man and all of those things, they, they take those very rigidly and Mm. use them to control you in that manner. And to tell you that, well, you know, you can't go anywhere because then you're going to go to hell and things, things like that. Um, But for someone who, who is, uh, you know, very devout in their faith and, and believes so strongly in those um, teachings, that can be very devastating on their whole foundation as a, as a person. It feels like what this boils down to is, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's manipulation. Which ways can I manipulate either physically, mentally, verbally, using your faith, the money? How can I have power over someone else? It absolutely you, you nailed it. It comes down to power and control and the manipulation that has to happen in order to keep that control and that power. And so when you're dealing with somebody who has this type of personality, there's no changing it. There's no fixing it. You're not going to, you know, wake up one day and suddenly have the vision of how you're going to make him see you as as an equal or whatever it is. It's just who they are and they're operating differently than us. Yeah. So with that being said, as we talk more about this, it feels really hard to be in that type of situation and want to get out. One thing that I truly believe, just like you said, is you can't change other people they're very set in if they want to control and use their power against other people and their abusers, it it doesn't matter how much you love them or care about them or beg them to change. They're not going to change. So how in order to escape, you need to change yourself and, and and make an action plan to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, if, any listeners are listening to this and it resonates with them. And this is their aha moment. Oh my God. Wow. That's, this is me. I've been making excuses. Um, I'm resonating or they pick up your book um, or listen to your podcast. What can they do? What are some resources? So the most important thing that constantly needs to be on your mind once you've come to that realization and made that decision that the best thing for you to do is, is leave is consider your safety. And that really has to be at the forefront of your mind because anyone can tell you, you just leave, you know, we've all heard, why didn't they leave? Why didn't they do this? And you have to really think about it from the situation that you're in and how you're going to be safest you know that situation better than anyone else. And 
an outsider, even if they mean well, is not going to have that same insight. And so once you have made that decision, I recommend you take some time to come up with your action plan in a safe place, which is hard because if someone is controlling your movements and controlling your access to things, um, you know, that can feel very scary to try to do. And this is a real thing. And that's why when you go on like the, the National Domestic Violence Hotline website, there's a button up at the top that says quick escape. And when you click on that button, it brings you to like a Google homepage or something like that. So that no matter where you are in the website, you can, if someone walked into the room, you can quickly get away from that website so they can see, don't see the, what you were on. And many of the resource websites um, have that quick escape button because this is so real that, you know, people can't safely go and research these things in some situations. So my recommendation is if you have a place to go where you can, you know, sit and really look for your best way out and research things, like whether that's the library or a friend's house or something like that, where you can go and and have this safe space, that would be my first recommendation. Because depending on your situation, you you might need to do some research. If you are married, like I was, and are going to have to go through the courts and fill out paperwork and, you know, file for divorce and all of these things, like you you don't just wake up one morning and, and know how to do that. So I developed a plan with a very close friend of mine who I trusted with my life um, as part of our job because he was also a police officer. So I trusted him and um, he helped me develop the plan. I packed up my stuff like I was leaving for work. Um, I worked the night shift. So I packed up like I was leaving for the night shift with my you know, dinner and all of that stuff. And I met my friend at a parking lot and he had arranged for one person to drive my car to work and park it in the parking lot at work like I was there. And somebody else drove me to a friend's house that nobody, uh, he, you know, my abuser wouldn't know about. And that's where I planned to stay for a few days where I could do that kind of research and get myself together like that. Um, and there are also resources available for people who don't have those people that they trust in that situation. And there are foundations and, and things like that that are out there that will help you with that. And unfortunately, you need to be able to research in order to find them. And they're different in every state and every community has different ones and things like that. So it's not like I can just tell you, you know, go to this website and they will they will help you because you do need to be able to find them. And that can be the challenging thing for some women is not having the ability to find them because their search histories are being checked and things like that. And that's a reality that it's hard to wrap your mind around that kind of control. Yeah. Whew. So if you do find yourself in that situation, if you can find a safe place to research, research what's available to you in your state. But how can we start at the very beginning and help end this, you know, overarching violence in women? What's really exciting about you is that you're starting some resources for young women. Tell us a little bit about that. So the The biggest thing I think that we can do in order to make changes and potentially end violence against women is education. We need to start that education young enough that we're 
getting to it before it becomes a problem because leaving is so hard. But if we never get into that situation, then we're all a lot better off. So I have started with my book, which is for, for young adults that are starting in that dating world. But if we start the education even younger, remember I was 11 years old, we can teach that toxic relationships don't have to be romantic and what to look for in you know, friends and family members that may be toxic to us without having to talk about the romantic part. And then as that child gets older, put the romantic part in on top of it so that they kind of already are looking for those signs and now just know to look for them in their future partner as well. Um, and that education piece is going to be what prevents these things from happening and really puts that stopper in having to get so many women out of relationships that they already ended up in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Nina, thank you so much for being here. Like she said, it does start young. Have the, the difficult conversations with your kid, especially your, your young daughters, right? Um, about what a toxic relationship is and what they are truly worth in, in a relationship. And what the five forms of abuse are, the physical, the mental, the verbal, the financial, the spiritual. And definitely for your teenage kids, your young adults, um, Nina has a fantastic book. It's called He Loves Me Not. It is a fictional uh, book based on her story, which is a fantastic resource that you can read with your uh, young adults in order to facilitate that conversation as well. Definitely check her out. We will put her website in uh, the show notes as well, but it's ninacorcoran.com. She also has a fantastic podcast called He Loves uh, me not as well. Check it out. She tells uh, her story in greater detail in the first episode, and it is fantastic about being a police officer and um, her whole story. It's, it's really, really good. Nina, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me and having this difficult conversation. And Absolutely. I hope I hope it helps just one person out there. I hope so too. And thank you guys for checking out this week's episode of Atta Girl. You can find us on Facebook at Atta Girl Podcast and on Instagram at Atta Girl underscore podcast. As always, this episode of Atta Girl has been a Girls Girls Media podcast. Make sure to check out the rest of the podcast in the Girls Girls Media universe. Also join your favorite Girls Girls Media hosts every day of the week in our absolutely free group on Facebook, the Girls Girls Community. Thanks for hanging out with me and Nina today. Make today the best day ever and have an amazing week. See you next Monday. Thank you.